Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Joey Morgan. Today I'm here with Dylan, a.k.a. Lord Slar. Hello, lads. I'm here with Brian, a.k.a. Briarhardo 2. Dylan, you're a cock. Yes. <laughs> and Connor, a.k.a. Genesis of Androzani. The yellow sky is gone. Thank fuck for that. Um, all yellow three sky at night, God's delight. Ah, damn it. <laughs> this podcast is already an abomination. Uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I try not to ruin it. All three of them have channels that I will leave linked in the description. Today we are talking about Classic Doctor Who Season 4, this being the smugglers through the evil of the Daleks. Spoilers as always. Um, I guess let's just jump right into this. Talk about the first, clearly most exciting story of the lot here. <laughs> the Smuggler. <laughs> By Brian Hales of all people. What? It, it still amazes what me. What a Brian fucking rancid way to start off a new a Brian season Hale of story. Doctor. This me. is a Brian Hale story. Yeah, it's like it doesn't feel like it at all. All oh, the other no, Brian oh, Hale no, stories have such a feel of like adventure, whereas this one just has a feel of fucking depressing chaos. <laughs> it does. Um, it's just like. <sighs> I, I don't think the plot is bad. I think there's enough plot here to, to sustain, like, two, possibly, like, if you really stretch it, three episodes. But as four episodes, it's just fucking boring. Right, I'm going to tell you the main problem with this story, and I touched upon it in my season four review. Most of the characters that live in the village are arseholes. So why should we care if the pirates come in and kill them? I mean, we barely get to know these characters, yet we're supposed to give a shit that the pirates are going to come and kill them. Like, that's why the episode doesn't work. Because it doesn't feel like there's any stakes. You just don't care. I mean, it's basically like the time meddler without the meddling monk, and you can't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty. And it doesn't have it doesn't have Vicky or Stephen. It has Ben and Polly, so it's slightly less interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean, without yeah. Peter Butterworth, the time meddler would be a crap story. Let's yeah. face it. Yeah, I, I mean, well, Douglas can't feel his direction helps. Being able to see it helps. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, and Ben and Polly, I want to touch on that, actually. Ben and Polly having their, having what, what is their proper introduction as companions here. It's, I mean, it's fine. They don't, they don't, like, they get right, thrown right into the action, and that, and that helps their characters immediately, but I don't know. I, I'm just not too drawn in by them in this. You know, I'm I'm surprised that you know you can take part both in the podcast and Hell's Kitchen at the same time. It's quite impressive. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's oh. raw. <laughs> and of course, the fucking verse is fucking raw. I hate this. I hate this so much. Why do I still do this? <laughs> Um, even though, like, actually, the even the recon isn't all that exciting. Like, it like it doesn't drag you in, like, as far as the ending of it. And I know that that's not actually a slight on the story. It's just the um the recon that I feel like most of us have watched, right? Have we all watched it? Loose cannon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've watched the CGI one. Oh, God. You watched the, C- <laughs> you watched the CGI one? Do that to yourself. <laughs> we so had see. to watch the Highlanders CGI animation the other day as a joke. It was horrible. I could barely sit through it. If it wasn't for the fact I was doing it for a marathon, I would have switched off. Because it was insufferable. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, oh. And you sat through how many of those, Connor? For all the Lost stories, right? Uh, not all of them. Some of them. Okay, gotcha. And the Smugglers just happened to be one of them. One of the worst ones. It just depends on depends on how good the telesnaps are. Uh, well, one I, 
Well, the I things mean, that... the Telesnaster smugglers isn't that bad. Aren't so, that bad. Going back to what you were saying about Ben and Polly, uh, so a lot of the other historical stories always work quite well because the companions are really good. And while I do like Ben and Polly, I feel that they, they don't quite have the rapport they have in later stories yet. Which is strange because Annika Will loves this story. Yeah, Annika Will does love this one. And also, like, especially coming stra- straight off of their really strong introduction in the, in the War Machines, they don't offer much to this story. Um, and they usually have a much better rapport than they do in this one. It's a shame. Is this Brian Hale's first story for the show? No, it's Celestial, Celestial Toy Maker. Maker. Although that was mostly rewritten by Donald Tosh. Yeah. Although, yeah, although actually Brian Hale's is original, original plan for Celestial Toy The Ice Maker. Warrior stuff he does later on is a lot better. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It's just, it's it's weird that, like, I don't even know, like, he, he never even wrote another historical, right? Yeah. There's a reason for that. It's because this one was shit. It's, it's so, like, how, it's how so out make, of his comfort zone. It's, how, it's odd. How do you make a swashbuckling adventure with pirates in Doctor Who so boring and flat? Because that's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. And I, mean, I know I, it will probably benefit from being found, but at the same time, there just does seem to be not much to the story to, a, I mean, you know, to an extent that it's just, it doesn't quite work. I mean, there's I'll, been quite be, a few I'll bad pirate Doctor Who stories, to be honest. Yeah. I'll I mean, I mean, I mean, like, say what you will about Curse of the Black Spot. Like, like, at least it's interesting to watch. This is just like I, I have to yeah. force myself to watch this one. Yeah, yeah. I'll be it's honest, like guys. It. I don't actually remember a thing about the smugglers. I remember the end where they're running around and there's a lot of gunshots, but that's yeah. really <laughs> about it. Yeah, a massive part, like, part, yeah, part, part, like, part four just devolves into screaming and people hitting each other supposedly. And uh, and I, I'm just I'm just here like, look. Look, I I binged all of Hartnell in like a month. I made sure to watch a story a day. It was fucking painful. And <laughs> Smugglers was towards the end, and it was probably the worst Hartnell out of the entire thing. Oh, it's definitely oh, the weakest right. Hartnell. Yeah, I, and, and, and... Uh, I I don't know. It was like two hours I could never get back. And I yeah, I'm with Brian on this. He erased it from my mind because yeah, the damn I, thing I, was I mean, like, so I mean, pointless. I, I don't it think it's so pointless. It was so pointless. I don't, pointless, I don't think Joey. it's that. I couldn't, like, it, it is pointless. It is. Dedicate the brain space to it. <laughs> I, it's just, it's not, I mean, it's bad, but it's not that I bad. was wiping I, it as I was watching it. <laughs> I, I, although, okay, okay Bolstrick. Um, I, 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 I do want to touch upon the, the, the fight at the end, though, because, like, that's one of the main reasons why this is legitimately high on my list of stories I want to be found, because I just want to see how it was done. <laughs> uh, I think that might be fun. If, if and, you want uh, to see a good Doctor Who pirate story, listen to Doctor Who and the Pirates. Cause that's yes. The, and stay as far away from this as possible. Yeah, and uh, oh, 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 yeah! <laughs> I did want to briefly touch upon also the um, uh, the incredibly racist names in this story: Jamaica and Spaniard. Well, I mean, why not just call people where they come from? You know, it's very easy. <laughs> Those are two actual names of right. Doctor Who supporting characters. Hello, American. Hello, New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, that's... Let me ask you a question. <laughs> what? Is Jamaica Jamaican, or is he English? Well, probably English. <laughs> but I can't remember, because that's the... TARDIS translates! <laughs> TARDIS translates! Indeed. Indeed. 
Anyway, I feel like we have nothing else to say on this one. Let's uh, give our ratings out of 10 for The Smugglers. Dylan. Uh, how about I give it a four? Four. I'm going to give it a three. Connor? Two. Two. Brian? I'm going to... <laughs> let, me just, let me just take a stab in the dark at what Brian's rating is going to be. I'm going to say a solid one out of ten from him. Yeah. That's about wow, we did a countdown. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even realize that. <laughs> oh, dear. Let's move on to a significantly better story. The Tenth Planet by Jerry Davis and Kip Pedler. Or Kip Pedler and Jerry Davis. I forget what order it's in. Okay, it's Kip Can we talk about how this Kip one is massively overhyped because it's just... Because it's the fact that it is the first Cyberman and first. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm I gonna mean, hard, I'm gonna hard disagree with that right off. I the mean, top. don't, don't get me wrong. The Cybermen are cool and all, and their, their concept as introduced here is cool, and their costumes are pretty fucking rad too. But other than that, I don't really feel like Tenth Planet has a lot of substance to it, and uh... the fact that Hartnell isn't there for most of it lets it does put a damper. I mean, like, I, I think the story, I'll agree that, like, the story slows down a bit towards the end, but I still think it's a fantastic story. The Cybermen are incredibly well-realized. I really do enjoy the supporting characters. Um, and Bill Hartnell filming the story, knowing it's his last, that comes across in the performance. And you, and you really do get a sense of finality for, from uh, from his performance throughout. How, how I feel about The Tenth Planet is it's got a brilliant 10 out of 10 idea. It's got great, very enjoyable characters. The only problem is it isn't very well realized in terms of the, the plot. Like the plot, it doesn't really do much. It, the characters don't ultimately really have any impact on what goes on. And yeah, it's enjoyable, and mainly because the characters and the great idea behind it are so good. But without that, as Brian said, it has very little substance. That, yeah, what's Dylan on this one? Okay, I've got quite a bit of a different view. It's interesting because um, I actually love this story, and it's for a reason that's different to probably why why I like others and it's it's there's something really unique about the tenth planet because like you say the characters the main characters are very taken away from the plot for most of it but we, and I was watching when I went to go watch it for the first time I was a bit worried about it because I thought that like it was gonna you know bore me but then I watched it and it gave me something that I probably haven't really experienced before with this show and when I was watching it 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 felt like I was watching an actual event happen. And that, and you know, like with other Doctor Who stories that are really good, you know, sometimes you can suspend your disbelief to the point where it feels a bit like real. But with this one, I'd never gotten that before where I actually believed everything that was happening, almost like it was filmed like a documentary. And it gave me a very unique uh, experience with the episode. And it felt like, you know, because, you know, with other regeneration stories, for example, it's very telegraphed. Whereas with this one, just seeing the doctor pass out because he's too old. Like I found that so interesting, just how, even though if it's maybe not intentional, just how the story turned out just felt like a, almost like a, an actual event. And, and there is a metatextual element to it because obviously Hartnell leaving the show because of his illness is a real thing. And, you know, it's almost like the doctor himself had that. And then obviously the Cybermen concept is a very real thing that could happen to us. So yeah, I that, actually, that it... Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I, I think, I just think that 
it's a very unique a very unique story that's nothing like anything else and it's got a very real atmosphere atmosphere to it not just because of the direction or the plot or the concept of the cybermen but just the metatextual element as well it all it all stars just sort of all aligned and also i will say that the one time i did watch the story was on it was a couple of years ago on christmas day so i do think there was a bit of a a bit of a heightened experience but yeah i did love it, <laughs> you know, I, although i will say i've never thought of that before i never thought of like the real event aspect of it before but maybe oh, that's nice. because that that's a that's a big reason as to why i love the supporting characters so much is they do feel really real um you know general <laughs> cutler obviously is a big highlight of this for me uh and 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 what he goes through throughout the story you feel the invasion that uh, that the cybermen bring as well as you know their introduction being so very strong and the way they're shot um fuck who directed yeah. the story Derek um, martinus Derek Martinus, the way he he filmed the Cybermen when they first entered, like you feel the dread coming mm. on, and um and yeah, I do want to touch him on, upon Bill Hartnell again because yeah, it's I know it's strictly the fact that like he knows he's leaving in this story, and the story isn't written to be his regeneration story. It was just you know worked around you know this is gonna be Bill Hartnell's last story. Let's rearrange the script a bit, but because it wasn't written that way, Bill Hartnell's performance has to entirely carry that, and it totally does. I I completely mm-hmm. buy it by the end, and it doesn't just come out of nowhere like it might have if Bill Hartnell didn't give such a great performance. I've got to say that I I even thought about what uh, Connor said about it feeling like an event, and I have to say I definitely agree with that, and that is definitely one of the major positives of the way the story was written. So I will definitely mm. give that. that. Yeah, it that almost thing. feels like it, it, yeah, it's a very it, unique experience, as you say. I'll, yeah, I'll, like... I'll actually agree with Connor more on the direction thing. The way it's shot is yeah. really it, it. It is kind of yeah. unlike any other story that's come before it, as far as directing goes. That's yeah, it, it it's actually really well like... done from a cinematography standpoint. Mm-hmm. It feels like a biopic of something that's yet to happen, and that's quite scary. You know. Yeah, like that's, yeah. that's how I feel about it. I like it more now, <laughs> just from that point. Yeah, that actually <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That, I still that think has that boosted is, it a little. Yeah, I still think Hell there is yeah. a lot. Uh, there is some stuff lacking here, but that definitely, uh, yeah. yeah, that gives me a better understanding of what the story was going for. And I have to say, that yeah. is a very interesting way of doing things. It's, as you say, something unique. Oh my mm. god, listen to me agreeing with you people, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> one of us, one of us. Um, yeah, my Doctor Who propaganda it's... skills has been on fire. Heh, <laughs> <laughs> on fire. Um, so... Oh no. He's <laughs> <laughs> not from Australia. Do you just stereotype? <laughs> Oh shit! Um, not as bad as Jeremy Clarkson, who said that God did it to Australia because Australia is like not good. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I mean, he said, as, he said as a joke. Out, he would have set Jeremy Clarkson on fire a long time. God, ago. God just snaps his fingers and goes, "Get good." <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. The thing is, he said it as a joke, which is it's interesting because there's an actual Australian rugby player who didn't say it as a joke. He said it legitimately. Oh shit. <laughs> He said it. He said it. He said he wanted the the girl wanted to wipe out like gays or something. It just sounded so. Bad. How about those Cybermen? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell us about the Dylan. Tell us about the... An, an actual quote from this from the classic Who season four Celestial podcast. God wanted to wipe out the gays. <laughs> yeah, Dylan. Tell us You're about those. You're very uh... close to be cancelled here. 
Uh, tell us about those Chinese Cybermen, Dylan. <laughs> that was a good joke. Oh, Jesus. Uh, anything else to add about with Chinese food, actually. Just to correct. Uh, oh, yeah, one thing I do want to touch upon, because we didn't talk about the companions at all. I do quite like the moment where, um, where, uh, where Polly, like, is very proactive in the plot where she tries to uh, get involved with, uh, with the action and like what's going on. So she like fakes like sticking around just to get them coffee or tea or whatever it is. Um, I really do like that moment. Ben, uh, he doesn't really grab me too much in the story. He doesn't do too much, but Polly, I think is pretty proactive throughout. Barkley is, and Cutler are brilliant side characters. Oh. Cutler is one of the most enjoyable bastards in Doctor Who. Like he's almost rivaling Hartnell in terms of how much of a, <laughs> Just how much of an enjoyable bastard he is just to everybody. And then Bartley is just a genuinely quite nice character that you really feel for. So, yeah. You're so around. much of an unlikable fuck that you like you anyway. <laughs> yeah, basically. Isn't, isn't that a lot of the best supporting Doctor Who characters, though? I mean, Colin Baker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, ratings out of 10 for The Tenth Planet. Brian? Oh, I'll give it a seven. Seven. Uh, Dylan? Very generously an eight. Okay. Connor? 9.5. Ooh, damn. Okay, I'm going to give it a nine. So, fun. All right. Let us move on to The Power of the Daleks by <gasps> Dennis by Dennis Spooner. Oh, fuck, Sla- I'm gonna I, oh, oh, sorry, by David, David Whitaker and Dennis Spooner, I should say. Oh, but Dennis Spooner's incredible. I'm about to have my butt rear-ended by Dylan for this okay, one. Okay, you know what? No, okay, hang on. I'm going to let Brian go first. Brian, by all means, take the floor. Uh, so <laughs> I, re- I, I do genuinely like Power of the Daleks a lot. I do think it is one of the better Dalek stories. I think the Daleks are probably very much at their most devious here. Like that fu- the fucking scene where they're they're like manipulating people. They're they're like assuring oh, I can't remember who it is, but they're assuring someone that they're on their side. And they just go, you know, they're they're gonna get fucked. Who cares? Who is raping so, their mic? Oh, is it me? I don't know. I, I feel like that's I you. I think it's you. Yeah. Anyway. It, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> oh, all right, go ahead, Brian. So, yeah, they're at their most devious. Uh, and as a Dalek story, I think it works really well. I do feel like it does get a bit slow in places. So it's not perfect, but it is pretty fucking good. Uh, I'll, I'll actually agree with the slow in places part. Um, but I mean, uh... like a lot of the stuff with what Janley and the I have fucking, a slight the, the I have a slight Archer little... character that that towards the middle that that's a little bit of a snooze fest. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking good. I have a slight little um, not really defense, but a reason for that. Uh, and it's I think it's because this is a story that would absolutely benefit if we if we could see the original footage and i think because um you know the animation is actually quite static and i think obviously that would come from it being a bit rushed but um i think that this story would greatly benefit from us seeing it because i think that the reason why there are those pauses in the scenes that you would probably describe as a bit of a snooze fest is because it's it's meant to be showing how the actors portray the scene i believe 
but because it's a static mm -hmm. animation, you can't really see that. So I feel I like, you know, if we could see this story in its original format, I re I think there would be a big improvement in some people's minds when it comes to those scenes. I, I get that, but I mean, I mean, I don't I don't think I don't think there's much to compensate for because the script and performances just by hearing it are so, so strong. Um, I, don't Actually, the, I, I, don't, I don't I don't let the somewhat choppy animation drag can, it down. Uh, at all. Can I commence my tongue bath now? I like how Dylan I, just has said nothing up to this point. I, I, may, I just I want may, to get it all out. I may, I may have to play a little bit of devil's advocate here with Connor because until the animation came out, I wasn't particularly fond of Power of the Daleks. Ah, you're like I, I wasn't particularly <laughs> fond of it to the point where. At what there was one stage in my life where I wanted to recreate and make my own version of it, so I could see one and not have to deal with the telesnaps because the reconstruction. Ugh. Oh, I love the reconstruction. I love the reconstruction. Yeah. All right, anyway, yeah. commence. All right, so I absolutely love this story. It may not be my favorite of all time, but it's probably one of the stories I love the most. It's a story both about. Dalek psychology and human psychology. So first, let's talk about the Daleks. They are absolutely brilliant in this. It starts off with only three or four of them. I can't exactly remember what. And they're, yeah, they don't have uh, any, they don't really have their arms. And they're completely, uh, like, they couldn't uh, really take down this colony just themselves. And they're completely reliant on the humans for power. But they managed to manipulate them all through the use of the fallibility in human psychology and the circumstance of the colony to grow, to get more powerful. So, um, like, in the way that they often things, they join little sides of the faction. It shows how just even a little discourse among humans can allow other powers to worm their way in and grow in power and grow and grow. And I love some of the scenes about whatever, the Dalek dialogue with... Um, Daleks are better. Daleks are different than human beings. Like that line, it just it gives away so much about what the Daleks are just always thinking at these moments. And then later on, when you've got the Daleks saying, "Why do human beings kill human beings?" Because the Daleks they tend not to fight amongst each other. Of course, later on you have the Dalek civil war, but at this point, the Daleks don't uh, fight amongst each other, which really shows how much of a danger the Daleks are compared to us because we hold ourselves back so much by fighting amongst ourselves and the Daleks, because they're so united, can so easily exploit that. And I just love how absolutely murderous they are. It's, just, it's all their sole focus by any means necessary, even by debasing themselves and having to put up with being servants, which they clearly hate. They're happy to do that for the aim of becoming powerful enough to wipe out these humans. And I love the tension. The tension is so good. Is that ever so slowly and incrementally growing in power you can just see it slowly unfold as the doctor desperately tries to go around and convince people desperately tries to stop this internal fighting among the politics <laughs> and it desperately tries to warn everybody about it and the growing tension is what keeps the story going <laughs> fuck you brian you're <laughs> what, a cunt. <laughs> what a fucking cunt <laughs> The tension is the best part about this story because the reason why not a moment is boring for me is because of how great uh, the tension is. 
And when it is unleashed in episode six, episode six is one of the my favorite episodes of Doctor Who ever because all of this well-earned ongoing development of the story up, up and up, further up and up, all the tension raising, it all explodes at that. It's so satisfying. It is so brilliant and it is so perfectly written. Not a line is wasted, not a scene is wasted. It all works really well. And on to top it off, it's a really good uh, you know, uh, introduction to a new Doctor and a good way to introduce the audience to that. I want to hone in on one point that you said there. Um, you, 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 oh, what? Brian, what? Brian shut the fuck is up. Okay. Dylan, shut, Dylan, Brian, is Dylan done? Shut up. So I want to hone in on one point you said there, Dylan, that the Doctor is desperate to get everyone to, to believe him. And I that is something that we don't often see the Doctor in. And it really, it really is an indicator of like of where the second Doctor will be going. He is desperate for people to believe him. And let alone the fact that like he is disoriented himself. He doesn't quite he's quite unsure of himself throughout this as well. He's never experienced regeneration before. He's all over the place, uh, both mentally and physically throughout the story. Um, and I adore that. And uh, one thing I think you also neglected to mention was uh, Ben and Polly uh, and their, their way of getting the audience into this story. I think they're an absolutely brilliant yeah. storytelling method throughout this. Um, I, think, I think what you said, what you said, about the doc- the what, what you said about the doctor is a good point because at the same time, the audience is learning about the new doctor the Doctor's learning about himself, which is a really good way to introduce him as a new character. Yeah, definitely. It, it's you don't often get this where like uh, where a, a new Doctor story is so it's it, thrown into such. Uh, I, it, I mean, it's a small scale story, but it's on a large scale for for the Doctor on a personal level. Um, and you don't get that often with regeneration stories. Usually, it's something very light and simple, you know, to, to toss the new Doctor into something. Mm. But this is a very desperate situation for the Doctor, and he doesn't know what he's doing. I can't actually think of another example that's even like this one. Yeah. Probably, maybe the TV movie? Maybe? Oh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> I mean, yeah. is, is there a, a story that gets as tense as this in all of Doctor Who history? I would say no. This is a masterclass uh, in tension building. I mean, in terms of, like, tense for a certain kind of length, I think probably not. Because I think this is one of the few stories that really benefits from being six episodes because the, the tension swells over them. The payoff yeah. would not be as satisfying if it didn't last this long. The entire ridiculously long runtime is held on such a wire-thin uh, thread of tension, and you're just waiting for it to snap, and you just eat up every single fucking moment mm. of it. Yeah, that which means that... Can we, can we talk which, about Lesterson? Love Lesterson. Oh yeah, I didn't even get on how good the side characters are in this, which really helped build up the the colony and the infighting in that. And Lesterson's definitely one of the better characters, and the amazing, almost Shakespearean performance. Uh, I, love, I, love, I love how Lesterson dies in the animation. How he he just mocks the Daleks, is shot, stands there for a moment as if nothing's happened, and then just fucking dies. And you know what's really sad. Uh, because it's go back to what um, I forgot. Uh, it was one of you said earlier about how it's a shame we don't have this. Is you know it would really improve some of the scenes, and it's because of performances like that. You see just in the telesaps how brilliant the uh, job the actor's doing, but you just can't get that well, in the animation. There, there's there's so br- some of those telesnaps of Lesterson are so brilliant that in the actual finished product animation, they. Take a fuck, yeah, fuckle frames, a couple frames. <laughs> and, uh... yeah, like the one where he's like leaning on the table with this terrible. Yeah, that thing. one. Yeah, yep, yep. That's the one that I'm thinking of, and just just put it in there, just for the sake of keeping it 
as it was meant to be seen. Like because that man, the, because is the Chelsea doing the best performance of his life, and the BBC thought, "Nah, let's just burn this." You know, who gives a shit? Yeah. The There's also parts to... of this. It's part Sorry, of the story on. shot on film as well. It's just so sad that it's not. None of it exists. Not one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Episode six to... exists in the BBC archives until the eighties or something like to, that. You just have to love all the all the little bits of footage that we do have of the story, though, because even just those tiny nuggets of of, of what the story was like totally feeds what how the story felt. I mean, the very first clip we have is the Doctor after he first gets up in the TARDIS and you see him looking around. That clip alone, that tiny. Uh, those that those tiny couple seconds are Patrick Troughton personified as a doctor, and I think you immediately understand. Even if you weren't watching the animation, just the recon, you totally understand what the story would have been like, and um, and how great all of these actors and performers, and and, the, and how the great the script is too. My favorite scene in the whole of the story is when the camera pans over all of the dead bodies in episode six, and oh, that's when it yeah. it's all completely came to a head. All of the tension has been unleashed, and you're just left with a really raw and nasty image of what the power of the Daleks is and what the power of the Daleks can do, even when it just starts off when with them being absolutely powerless. Because they're not just tanks, they're master manipulators, and they can do that to your colony. I think yeah. that's a really good way to end that this section of that. I'm sorry, but like that's fucking cool, that statement. <laughs> that, that, that encapsulates um... it. Everyone dies. I mean, (laughs) and everyone died. The end. Um, The power of the Daleks is the best possible title for this story because of that. Because it's both about physical power and their metaphorical power as a unit. I really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, We're going to go to ratings out of 10 now. I'm going to give it a 10, Dylan. Can, is it possible to give it more than a ten? I <laughs> really want re- to. If you really want to, by no, all no, no, I'm not. I'm not going to. But it is just the most heartfelt and loved ten I've ever given anything in my life. It's yeah. Such a good story, Connor. Uh, I'm going to say nine point five, and I oh. think it it comes with the uh, the asterisk of I just wish I could see the direction of the story a bit more. That's all. Fair. It would have been so good because Chris Barry is a brilliant director yeah fuck oh it's so annoying if i could see the story and it was it was the direct kind of direction that i can imagine it would be it would definitely be a 10 but i just ah uh, mm. and brian nine nine oh damn you disappoint me <laughs> that really does say something about a story that really does say something about a story like if, if someone's giving it a nine out of ten is, is a disappointment <laughs> yeah that's such a low rating <laughs> yeah yeah damn <laughs> Oh, oh damn, he gave it a nine, fellas. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> glad I didn't give it an eight, to be perfectly honest, because I had the feeling you were going to give it an eight. But, yeah, uh, well, so thanks for, for I not. I thought about it. <laughs> I will not lie play. to you. I thought about it. Well, after after we uh, after we send on, send uh, Brian off to the electric chair, let's move <laughs> on to... <laughs> Uh, let's move on to The Highlanders by Elwyn Jones and Jerry Davis. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, uh, oh dear! And we're not going to review this on the basis of the CGI animation. Is all. Well, let's just do this. Well, Dylan, <laughs> the problem is the only full version I've seen is the CGI animation. <laughs> Therefore, your opinion on this episode is invalid. I like the bit where he jumps off the here, cruise I, ship. Here, here, I have watched both. <laughs> that wasn't brilliant. <laughs> I have watched both the Telesnap version and the CGI version, and neither time I was particularly fond of it. 
So okay, you know what? You fucking start this one, Brian. Then fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just not a huge fan of this one. It's meant to be one of those more humorous stories, and a, a lot of the humor falls flat for me. I don't find. Oh, it. I love the humor. In it. It's it's a, it's a think, really perfect. What the fuck I was think that? I, I uh, sorry, I got distracted sorry, by someone sorry. shouting in the background. Sorry, so, I'm outside. I think I think it's, I think it's a I think it's a perfect way to do. A doctor's second story because Patrick think, Troughton just fucking shines in this story. He, oh, he, like, he gets so much to do, and he really oh, gets to show the more humorous side of his doctor, and gets to you know do all sorts of dressing up and goes on quite an adventure. In what is have some real uh, so it has some really dark themes as well. I think yeah, this is that by I'm far not interested in the setting, and they like there's nothing there to make it interesting for me. So, so I, Dylan, what, you, not what my, you're trying it's to just not my cup of tea, and I. I I'm not, I'm not so, into it. I thought it was by far Polly's best outing because oh. she and who's the girl that she's with for the episode? Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't yeah, yeah, that, that that side character. Though she works really well together with her, and you know Polly gets so much to do. Like, uh, and a lot of it's really funny, and I especially like uh, her kind of. Uh, bribing, well, not bribing, but blackmailing of the yeah, red yeah. coat was uh, yeah, one of the best thing. bits of the story. It, it really shows Polly isn't just Christy, the lady uh, who makes Kirstie, the tea. That's her name. Yeah, Kirsty. But it shows that uh, Polly isn't just the one who makes the tea. She is actually a very interesting character who can, you know, do some entertaining shit when she's given the right material. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, there's a lot to enjoy in this. Specifically, like, little character moments, I, I think, really stand out in this. It's not so much the the broader scope of it, like, something that, like, Brian may focus on, like, the historical setting or what the story's actually about. It's really about these little moments that, that sort of make up a larger, just enjoyable story to watch because you're waiting just to sort of move on to the next uh, fun I've little I've a lot of pent-up anger what? in that last, that last few seconds I heard. <laughs> I, I felt... I felt rage when you said my name like there was burning hot fire in your soul well, that's what we think every time we say your name brian oh fuck <laughs> you know just talking about brian fucking corgan you know he's a yeah, brian <laughs> shit um, <laughs> um i mean bastards like, you, you... i don't know how they put up with me as, as i was saying you know like the the, the whole story is are these fun little character moments of you just waiting to move on to the next character moment as the fun character moment is happening? There's there's so much to enjoy in this because, like I said, it's not about the broader scope of it. It's not about the big historical setting. And despite how you know how well researched it is and how well thought out it is, it's really the little things that make this entire story for me and why I love it so much. I tell you, one thing that works quite well that is kind of could have potentially been disastrous is how contrasting the the tone of the episode is with what it actually deals with so it's obviously as we said it's a very humorous episode it's very funny it's very light-hearted yeah you know like there's a scene where you know the doctor and co almost get hanged there's like people getting sold into slavery there's people getting butchered and massacred on a battlefield you know it's it's a really heavy shit done in a completely light-hearted and ridiculous way but i think it works it, yeah, it's, definitely. It, it's it's because some part of what made this a doc is just so absurd. It's the I mean, for, I mean, for God, into it. For God's sake, the, the story opens on a fight scene where people die. You know, it's it's immediately dark right from the outset, but it that's swept away pretty pretty seamlessly. I think um, it's it's done. It's written very smartly. Um, I'm not sure like how much is like what writer's side of it like i don't know like how much influence ellen jones had or jerry davis did i feel like 
I feel like the more comedic stuff is Ellen Jones because I, I'm not familiar with that with that style in the Troughton era, and he didn't write anything else. Yeah, Jerry Davis. It it doesn't feel like that much of a Jerry Davis script compared to his other scripts. So yeah, that probably would be the influence of Ellen Jones because there isn't that. I mean, there is definitely comedy in other Jerry Davis ones, but it's not the focus. Yeah, the, where this one like very much is. It's a, it's a it's I would say it's Patrick Troughton's Romans. It's not as it's not as yeah. good as the Romans, but like it's along those same lines as far as the, uh, the subject matter. Mm. I thought it, I thought it was more like Patrick Troughton's Myth Makers, to be honest. I could see that. I could see, yeah, especially with how, the doc- with how the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, the th- yeah. well, the thing is, I I don't know. I just uh, I suppose my my opinion on the story is kind of invalid because I've only really seen the CGI version in full. But uh, I don't really know what to make of it. I I'm I'm kind of with Brian that the humor didn't really land. But I think the main reason for that is because. If I was watching the original broadcast, the humor probably would land because it's Patrick Troughton's actual actor. Whereas yeah. the fucking CGI Troughton trying to do the jokes just angers me. It's like, no, you're not the doctor. I mean, I mean, and all you need to do for those scenes is like, is just see the fucking ridiculous costume that he was wearing as the German doctor for that scene to be funny. Yeah, I love, yeah, I adore that scene. <laughs> mm. no, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think you do have a point in the fact that the humor is good, but it, is solely reliant on the humor because without that it would be a pretty paint by numbers dull episode it'd be pretty dry it'd be along the lines it'd be a good historical but but it'd be along the same lines as like reign of terror it doesn't i like the reign of terror well yeah but i mean but i mean come on it's not it's not like it's not the best historical ever you know it's not even historically it's not even completely historically accurate it's very historically inaccurate yeah (laughs) come on that is true it's, like it's, Napoleon it's, was still an obscure, uh, you know, a really obscure officer at the point when Robespierre was overthrown. So, I think William Hartnell's pretty brilliant in the Reign of Terror, though. And so is Patrick right. Troughton. Yes, I feel like you know they both take on similar disguises in it. You know, they, yeah, well, they... I can't see it. <laughs> I can't see it. I Although to be story. fair, I will say if we could, while we're comparing it to the Reign of Terror, I do prefer Hartnell on the Reign of Terror and the way he's completely going around trying to fool people. Like you're trying to pass him off as something else. Hits the guy with the spade. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Overall, I think it's a, a really solid story. Um, I think the comedy lands. I think uh, the historical I aspects want... are fun. Jamie isn't a prominent character, but also at the same time, I, I you know I wouldn't really want him to be because the rest of the story stands on its own. Jamie's not really a prominent character till the Macra Terror. So. <laughs> that's that, that's fair. That's fair. Jamie, good old Jamie. Jamie. All right, uh, ratings out of 10, I'm going to give it an 8. Connor? Uh, well, considering I kind of don't really have a feeling on this story because of how just, I don't know, non-experience <laughs> I've had with it, I'll probably say 5 because that's in the middle. Okay. Uh, Dylan? 8. I really hope they animate this one. As it yeah, said, the the yeah. humor would benefit from some, from some yeah, the, visuals. The only, I, the, only reason, the only reason why they haven't is because it has too much tartan in it. Yeah, um, and Brian, I'm giving it a four just because it is. You ass, you ass, you have seen the recon and you give it a lower score than Connor. Look, look, (laughs) brother. He literally thought the CGI one was. (laughs) Well, the thing is, I would have. To be completely fair, I probably would have given it a four, but I haven't really experienced it properly, so I think it's only fair I give it a five because that's in the middle. See, I have experienced properly, so I'm giving it a fucking four. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, I 
hate this so much. <laughs> Let's move on to The Underwater Menace by one Jeffrey Orm. Oh. I hate to be like, can I start this off again? But You started off the last two now. Dylan, you start this one. What? I, I'm sorry, I was just singing the, the, the All right, song. Fine, 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 no, fine. sorry, I can't start. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, okay, so episode three is great. It's a fun romp. Um, Professor Zaroff is fun. Uh, and just everything about episode three works. It really manages to embrace its more mad side and has a lot of energy. However, the problem is that's only episode three. Episodes one, two, and four are crap. They move along slowly. The, every, all of the plot points feel really contrived. It seems lacking energy. It's, it, it's written very poorly. It's really not that great a story. Uh, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I think a lot of the comedy, uh, this is, I mean, it's not a comedic story, um, but there are some comedic moments that I think make up for the duller moments in between. I think episode the, three, yes, but not in the rest of the story. I think the idea and drive behind this story is at least inspired, and I can't appreciate that. Episode one mm. is ridiculously dry. I really don't like episode one. Yeah. And, um... I don't know, really? I feel like I'm not as harsh on the rest of the story, though. It feels it's, like it was written by somebody who has never seen Doctor Who before. Yeah, it's a very weird story, this one. Yeah, but I, you, yeah it, feel, it does feel like Jeffrey Owen was kind of like told, like, oh, yeah, you could do anything with it. He's like, oh, fuck, okay, let's, uh, Atlantis, and <laughs> just kind of ran with that. Um, yeah, and didn't really know, like, what the show as a whole was about. But I do appreciate, you know, the... Uh, I, I do think the story is inspired. I, I will give it that. Uh, uh, I feel that, you know how I was praising the highlights of managing uh, um, Straddle you know, really dark kind of context with a lighter tone. This one doesn't do so well. So and specifically here, I'm referring to the episode one cliffhanger. So it, most of this story is kind of, it's, you know, bouncy and silly and fun. But yet the end, the cliffhanger of that one is like, you know, them about to perform plastic surgery on Polly to make her into a fish slave. Yeah, it's it's more it's like Tona Whitland this one. Yeah, 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 I can, I can't. And, and then, like, straight after that, it's like you're not turning me into a fish. And it's like Christ, <laughs> total. <laughs> yeah, <is> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it also doesn't help that like Annika Wills is treating the scene completely seriously. <laughs> um, I feel like if she was being a bit hammier with it, you know, the scene in the dialogue is somewhat ridiculous, but uh, but Annika Wills just kind of takes it a bit too seriously. It's odd. It's See, a very strange like story. It makes, it makes it more over the top for me, which I'm going to segue into my little bit. Now, my opinion on this story has changed since the last time we talked about it. Uh, didn't you hate it originally? Yeah, but now I like it because I sat down and watched it from, like, the goggles of, like, someone watching a real shitty B-movie and just absolutely adored it. Because everything's so over the top in it, the acting, the writing, it's it, it's just great. It's charming, and I love it yeah. a lot. I gotta say, I, I ironically love the costumes in this. I I think they're so much fun. Yeah, Zara really is one of the funnest villains in Doctor Who ever. I, I really I really like the documentary on this on the DVD where Annika Wills desperately tries to make it sound like a good story. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, it is a really good story, I promise. <laughs> Brian, please never do your Annika Wills impression ever again. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why do you, you like think? Mine? Because Wait. it's either really fucking terrible or it sounds eerily like her. Uh, mostly fucking terrible. 
okay. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I don't. I think it's a bad story, but I think there's so much to enjoy because of how poorly thought out it is. It's, but but everyone I think like is having fun making it. They're like, oh yeah, we're in fucking Atlantis. We're wearing stupid fish costumes. This says this has the script has really stupid dialogue. We can be really caricatured and have a lot of fun with this. And and um, what's the actress name that plays Zara? Um, <laughs> can't remember. Uh, I can't oh, remember. Uh, Joseph First, that's his name. Nothing uh, in the world could stop right now. He's an absolute highlight of the story and makes up for so much of it because he does eat up so much of the screen time. Like, yeah. I don't just, I don't just literally mean it. Like, like when he's in this, like in the scenes he's in, he is, he is like owning it and like making it all his own. But also that Zaroff is in a lot of the story helps that as well. It, he is the only person in the story who is as bonkers as the story itself. And that's why he makes it work, because clearly the actor is mad. And yeah, I've yeah. seen him in other classic TV as well. Like, even in even in stories where he's playing a more restrained character, you can just see that the man himself is unhinged. And just, <laughs> oh, I love him. I love Joseph. Yeah. Can, so can, I, just, can I just say that the, this man is, uh, for the VNA adaptations, he was one of the warm-ups for Adolf Hitler. Wait, for, wait what? Oh, 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 I see what you... Okay, gotcha. Yeah. The, uh... <laughs> Nothing <laughs> in the world can stop me now! I love that. Nothing yeah. in the world can stop me now! Like, <laughs> he has a voice crack, too. Um, yeah, I, I had to replicate the voice crack he has. Yeah. Um, actually, that's kind of funny, because we talked earlier about the about the really shit part one cliffhanger. Like, part three's cliffhanger really makes... <laughs> is, like, one of the best ever in 62. Just because of the, the meme material. And, 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 also, and also the way he shoots the guy, and the guy, like, pathetically falls over. Oh, but, yeah. but when they reshoot the scene for the next episode, and they obviously tell him to tone it down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that he struggles to get the gun out from underneath his cape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, sorry, go on. I just want to add on two kind of, I would say, negatives I have with the story. Uh, one of them is how horrendous the DVDs tally snaps off episodes one and oh, four. Like, oh, yeah, they're terrible. so bad. It's so bad. Lose and also, are far better. Um, I also say the second Doctor as a character, this is probably his weakest in his whole oh, run. There's no yeah. substance to him. He's just like pratfalling. Yeah, it's there. almost like fucking. It, it, it is Patrick, a bit of a shame. It's like, it's like, this... it's like Patrick Troughton playing the Thirteenth Doctor. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> and, and and it is it is a bit of a shame because this is the first like if you're watching Troughton in order this is the first e a story with surviving episodes and this is what you get when you could have taken literally any one like just a single episode of either of the first yeah. two stories for, and gotten for, for a far the better performance. For the most part, he's extremely dry, and then you get that one little scene where he's wearing like sunglasses and a tie, and that's about it. Oh, and the companions are nothing in this story because this is the yeah. first oh, desperate yeah. attempt. This is the first desperate attempt to split dialogue and give some to Jamie, and it's, it, it 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 totally falls apart. This um, is very much like a. This is this has a lot of like like Chibnall era similarities. I'm finding. Just thinking actually, about yeah, it. Yeah, this is the underwater menace is very Chibnall like. You could totally yeah. imagine this being made for the Chibnall era. I, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, oh, it probably wouldn't. Get eaten by sharks. <laughs> <laughs> probably would. Come and save me, fam. <laughs> uh, and then fucking um, Alan Cummings playing Zeroff. 
That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. oh god. Um. All right. Uh, ratings at a ten for the underwater menace. Connor. Four. Four. Dylan. Four, and that's only because episode three is really entertaining. It oh well, I feel. Episode like, three. Oh damn! I feel like me and Brian are going to be way too positive, Brian. All right. The unironic rating for this is a uh, two, but the like fucking hammy and I love it rating is. Off the scale, it's an eleven. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'm gonna give it a six. Personally, I think uh, it's a, it's an above average story. Mostly, mo- mostly only made by its poor execution and how fun it is to watch because of that. <laughs> All right, let us move on to the Moon Base by Kim Edler. Oh Hitler. yes. Okay, oh, yes. I I can't tell who that is. Is that Connor? <laughs> that would be me. that would be me. That'll be Connor, me. you want you want to start? <laughs> Oh, is this one. your power of the Daleks or something? <laughs> oh, I love this one. No, it's not. It's not like it's not like my third favorite ever, like it is for you, Dylan. Um, no, I love the Moonbase. Like it's it's one of those quintessential Cyberman stories for me. The atmosphere, the direction, the music, just everything hits all the bright beats. Uh, Patrick Troughton is fantastic in it. Like, which is weird because we're talking about the Underwater Menace, where he was like not very good. Uh, but then you get this episode where he's going around all the different side characters doing his thing. It's just, oh, there's something about, this is like really when the second Doctor steals me, um, you know, in terms of being one of my favorites. You know, I also really like, um, like I said, all the side characters, how they come from all these different places. It almost reminds me of um, The Waters of Mars, how you just get a bunch of people from different countries together. There's something really interesting about that. I don't know why, but it just is. Uh, then you get, the fact that this came out in the 60s before we even landed on the moon, so there's like a big intrigue around that. Um, I love the whole setting with the base. Um, though the one thing that terrifies me about the story metatextually is the fact that Patrick Trout nearly died on the set. Yeah. Like the... Oh, really? I, 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 wait, oh, I don't know this. Hang on, can someone tell me that story quick? So the Gravitron oh, nearly fell on him, and that thing, it's no laughing matter. That thing is heavy. And it was like an inch away from him, and he was absolutely like you know, basically shit his pants when it happened because <laughs> it would definitely have killed him had it landed on him. Jesus. Fucking hell. Mm. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's pretty insane. Wow. Um, I do Just wanna... imagine all of, the, all, all of the Trout and Jamie moments we wouldn't have gotten if we had died. <laughs> Doctor Who would have ended so there, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. There, there would be nothing else at that point. Let alone the fact that, like, production-wise, the Trout era already had a, a rocky start. This would have been even worse. It would have been cancelled immediately, the show. Um, yeah. Although, so, what, what I'll say is, uh, I very much agree with Connor about the second Doctor. He really... Definitely the, the director helps, Morris Barry. He restrains Trouton more, reels him in, and gets him to give a bit more of his contemplative side, a bit more of his restrained side. And it's really interesting. See, it shows that this doctor he isn't just like, you know, a Pratt Foley funny doctor. He's got a lot to him. And then also, this is has one of the best portrayals of the Sidemen in terms of like dialogue. I'm so good, specifically in episode three, in the way they talk mm. about humans, refer to humans. And in the novelization, yes. what really hits the nail on the head is where the Cyberman thinks that the humans are retarded for having emotions. Which, if you didn't have emotions, you probably would think that. Because, like, why are they acting so irrational yeah. like this? Is there, some, yeah. there must be something severely mentally damaged to make them yeah. like 
Yeah. And yeah, that's what's so good about Simon. It shows just how much removing the emotions and like being more like losing your humanity changes your entire outlook on the world. And the Simon, they're more individuals in this rather than just a bored collective, which they often end up, which is a shame because they're much better yeah. than just individuals who have you know been botched and made without emotions with their humanity gone. Yeah. yeah, and there's also there's also one thing about the story that I find a lot of people misunderstand, because um, a lot of people say that this story is sexist towards Polly, but I actually don't think that's the case at all. I think the point is that it's trying to set up a scenario where she's almost like being secondary to the male characters, where then she, then she sort of becomes part of the plot. Because you know, remember, I think it's later on in the story she comes up with that thing, yeah, the Polly spray. The poly cocktail, and I think, like, I think I remember when I watched the special features in the DVD, like the the writer of the story, I can't, um, who was it again? It was um, Kip Pedler, Jerry Davis, Kip Pedler. That's right. No, yep. just Kip, just Kip Pedler. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember Kip Pedler. I think was actually um, like a feminist, so he actually wrote this story. Not that his stories that bear that out, but <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not saying that. But I yeah. mean, like, um, Annika Will said that he was a feminist he was trying to write a story where polly was in a scenario where she felt secondary where then she sort of she sort of came up with like the the sort of almost a resolution to the part of the plot herself so i actually think that people misunderstand the story thinking that kit peddler was a sexist putting females secondary but like that's the entire point of the story is to set up that scenario for them to polly to become independent you know i think some people seem to miss that The, yeah, um, Polly is a character as well. It's one of the best. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also really um, like how Jamie is handled in this story. Yeah, just knock him <laughs> out, so we don't have to write lines for him. Well, not, not only that, but <laughs> it still has like an impact on the viewer's view of the Cybermen, like in the first two, first few parts. I mean, I mean, I mean there's still there's still Ben lines, but you know, they're just said with. Said with his less experienced voice, it's not. No, I mean, it doesn't, like, it doesn't really make the a fa- difference. The shit with the Phantom Piper. Oh my God, Connor, <laughs> stop the wind! Oh, sorry. The the idea of a Phantom the the idea of a Phantom Piper really fucking freaked me out when I was little. Uh, I, I I don't know why it just fucking did. It was one of those kid things, but. You know, you know, but you know that's when it's doing its job right. When this the fucking little scare tactics are offensive, are effective, and uh, J- Jamie's reactions really seal the deal. And I think it's a testament to Fraser Hines as an actor. So uh, yeah. I, think, I, I think with this story, it's another one of those stories where the plot itself, when you really get down to it, isn't that great. And uh, in some of the motivations for the Sidemen are a bit ill thought through, but that's completely made up for by the fact that the characters are great, the dialogue is great, the setting is great, it's directed really well. So all of that kind of manages to distract you from the fact that the plot's a bit half-baked and still make it a really good experience. Yeah. Actually, I do, yeah. Wanna, I do also want to bring up over, uh, just talking about you know, the technical aspects of it, um, I want to talk about how great the parts one and three animations are for the official DVD. Okay. Uh, it, it, oh yeah, still, they're fucking th- th- Those are those are still my favorite animations. Like I know we've come a long way since then. I know Macrotera is technically better because you know it's a whole story, but I just adore those part one and two, one and it's three. It's so animations. smooth is the thing. I don't know and why. The, and, keep yeah, doing and, that and, kind of style. 
And the Cybermen look amazing. I oh, the fucking anime Doctor Who realized. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think I think it does work. You know, I, I think it's it's heavily detailed in this. It's it's an, it's a more effective way of capturing the actors. I'm sure it takes longer to make. Oh yeah, not, it's you know, well, they capture the, the, the facial expressions much better. They, oh yeah, that's the yeah, only that, that's the only animation to capture Patrick Troughton correctly is that one. Yeah, oh yeah, it's the only one that, that properly gets the, the, his little... Uh, I feel it, the invasion does as well. Eh, I'm going to disagree there. <laughs> um, um, I, I would say the, uh, the animation of the, uh, the invasion captures the expression, but the cartoon like quality is lower, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, no, I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, um, anything else to add on the moon base? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. All right. Let's give ratings out of 10. Uh, Dylan? Uh, I'm going to be generous and give it a 9. It's very right, it's right. extremely wow. enjoyable. That's really high. Wow. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Okay. Connor? I'm going to give it a very strong 9.5. Wow. Okay. I'm going to give this a 7. <laughs> um. No, good story, though. Uh, all right, let us move on. I'm afraid... I, I don't want to say it, because I know it's just going to be ear rape for m- myself and the rest of the audience. Um, There's no the such thing as background! The Macro Terror by Ian Stewart Black. <laughs> I knew it. Okay, just kind of waiting for it. All right. So, Brian, I'm assuming you want to open this one. <laughs> Why does he have I such love shit? Macro-terror. I oh, love Macro-terror. I love everything about it. I love the acting. I love the writing. I love the soundtrack. I love the macro themselves. Everything about it is great. I thought you were going to give a negative opinion there. No, no. no I, I know this is Brian's favorite. I know the this is, I know It's this my is favorite trap. I love yeah. the macro trap. The macro trap. <laughs> I love the macro <laughs> <laughs> Trout playing a big crab. That's what we need. I want to see that. Uh, uh, like similar to the to the to the fish heads in the underwater menace. I wanted to be wearing a crab head. <laughs> Look at the size of your claws, Doctor. Oh yes, Dave. They are rather large, aren't they? That oh, is rather large and rather hard. Oh, that is all the tons of anything I shall give it. I shall not set anyone to sleep like Dylan's did. You won't give a very detailed analysis of why you love the episode so much because you just don't no, have levels of passion I that I like, do. Also, per- permission to call Brian a fake fan because he didn't like Macra until it was animated. Call him a fake fan because he won't even I, have a, a I liked it on my first rant like I will. Yeah, but it was pretty far from your It was not your favorite Troughton story until it was animated, Brian. No, it was not. You shut your mouth. It, it became no it wasn't before it was animated it was not look, it was look, not your favorite when, we, look, when we did the Troughton retrospective it had, it had been, it was another one of those stories that I hadn't watched in years and forgot about and then like a fucking few weeks afterwards I watched it again and I, I fell in love with it and then it was announced that it was being animated and I decided about it so, yeah, I, I did like it a lot. So this is the first story where Jamie is properly utilized as a companion. He's 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 quite literally too dumb for the mind control of the macro, and I kind of <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs> 
that, that means he's like the ogrons then, and the fact that, oh, uh, they're so stupid, they're using the mind to probe. So Jamie has the intelligence of an ogron in this story. Apparently. Yes, yes. Um, but The second Doctor's fully aware of it. <laughs> but that being said, this also makes it a really great story for Ben and Polly because they're oh, fighting with ben. mind control as well. Ben, oh, Ben's oh. fantastic in this. Yeah. yeah, Ben's best story, apart from maybe the War Machines. I think Power is probably Ben's best story, but this this is a very close second for me. Yeah, no, he's very good in it. And yeah, it's it's just a really enjoyable story. I like how Zania is. Uh, I think I, I love the fact that it's kind of, you know, mad and overly positive, and that's intentionally there to make, give it a really creepy feel. It's like when, oh. you know, people like singing, We love to obey, we like to do what we're told, you know. It's like the actual lyrics. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful dark comedy, really. And I, I love just how sister is. I mean, that's. I was saying on the panel discussion that I just recalled earlier, you know, Jodie's doctor feels a bit creepy in the way that she's just constantly positive. And this is an example of where that's been done intentionally, where it's just <laughs> mindless, ridiculous positivity. <laughs> you know, it makes it really creepy. If they turn into oh, like, new, I who's, new who's McCoy, which is... By all means, Brian. The fucking who... The guy who voices the macro in this is beautiful. He's one of my favorite voice actors in all of Doctor Who. Just blah. I love the guy who does the the mind control machine, Richard Beale. Mm. Yeah, that, that he has a very naturally creepy voice. Um. Yeah. Uh. What else? Oh yeah, I'm just curious. Like, what do we think on as far as like, like uh, definitely the the production and the way it's presented is very comedic. But I feel like Ian Stewart Black wrote this story completely straight faced. Do you? I'm, I'm I, not sure. I, I, I don't think so. feel so. I think so. I think. Um, well, I having think like it... all of the happy songs about like obeying and stuff. I feel. I oh, know. I feel some of the co- the comedy, like more flamboyant elements, is intentional. I feel it's, like it yeah, was written straight faced, but the comedy parts were intentional. Yeah, yeah. It was. I think. I think what I'm saying more is like it, it was supposed to be far less comedic than it turned out. I'm happy it turned out as comedic as it did. And the macro props are hilarious. I love. I've. I, I watched the. I've watched the recon so many times in my life. I. I've found new things I've to watched enjoy both of her every single time. Um, I've actually only watched the animation once. Um, oh, recon- the animation. It's a very good animation. It's a very good animation, but I think the recon still has my heart for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I. No, I. I no, I enjoy the animation more. You know what's interesting? Um, the animation. I enjoy, I enjoy um, the recon more than the animation. Brian, you keep stepping on Connor tonight. Connor, by all means. <laughs> um, yeah. I, anyway, so Brian, it, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I find it interesting that the black and white version, either the recon or the animation, works really well for the horror scenes. But then I find that the color version makes the comedy scenes hilarious. Yeah, so it's interesting how this has quite a dynamic format. Um, and I, I'll say one one scene I really love that's quite comedic is when Jamie walks away from the macro and he has to start dancing. That was hilarious. Oh, the Highland the fling. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. Yeah. 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 Classic. Damn classic. Oh. Um, I, also no, like I, I just love they... the. I think beyond Medoc, there's not there there aren't many supporting characters to to write home about for me. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the only weaker aspect of the story for me. Um, but I think just the, the what really makes this story so entertaining is the style it has. It, it has such a great 
style. It knows exactly what kind of tone it's going for and it does it brilliantly. And big credit to like the director is it would be very easy to like mess up the tone this goes for, but it's done perfectly. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, yeah, I think uh, also just based off the uh, the clips we have, I think the production was very shoddy and I'm very happy that we, we've only ever seen this in recon form and animation. Um, but also I feel like I I may also have a very underwater menace relationship with this in that like i just love the misguided production or, or i guess web planet would be a more apt mm. example yeah um, i i i really like on the animation they made it so that the macro actually picked up poly into the air that was quite interesting oh yeah the macro are fucking terrifying in the animation mm. yeah th that's one of the times where it's like yeah you were definitely right to take some liberties with this uh, episode, is imagine how crap it looked if they just tried to realistically animate the macro. <laughs> yeah, the, but a lot of the, people the, were pissed the, off with that one. I wasn't. I liked the, it. The macro just kind of. Could you imagine the yeah, macro yeah. just lamely yeah. grabbed Polly's leg and just didn't well, do anything? Polly, uh, like she, she said, um, Annette Will said that they literally had to throw themselves at the macro to get caught by them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I don't understand why there were a lot of people upset about the. Macra picking her up though, because there think, were a I lot of people, people who I think were, more people were upset and by... raging about that. I think more people were upset by the cutscene. Yeah, well, that's yeah, well they're shame, the yeah. I mean, yeah, they're probably the same people that think the moon base is sexist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like I will say, I am a little annoyed by the cutting of the rough and tumble scene because it does kind of it does literally change how the how the characters other than the Doctor look for the rest of the story. Yeah. And I get why they do it for animation purposes. It's much easier. But, you know, I am just annoyed that there's that slight inconsistency there. I mean, the thing is, these episodes are missing forever. You are allowed to take your time to just really do them properly, you know? Yeah, yeah. And for that reason, I think they only cut the scene so they could keep them in the same costumes and cut down the amount of time they needed to do it because they were just trying to hit a deadline, which slightly annoys me. Yeah, unfortunately, at the end of the day... The macro terror, they took faceless ones and put... Polly and her macro terror outfit, didn't they? Or didn't they? I can't What's remember. No they, no, they didn't change the costumes on any of them in the animation. Right, I'm talking for the faceless ones, though. Because the, oh, the... in the little clip we saw, they matched up Polly with her costume that they had in a macro terror for that, didn't they? Yeah. Also, in the animation, doesn't she start with short hair? It's really strange. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, even though yeah. she ended the moon base with long hair. Yeah. That's and then, annoying. and then the faceless one, she's got long hair again. It's weird. Yeah, that's an, that's another thing I really that really bugs me about the animation. Like, I get it, I get why you did it, but you know, you could have just taken the extra time, and yeah. I wouldn't have mind waiting, minded waiting longer for the animation. Yeah, it's no, like no, seriously, no, I, I the, mean, um, the, most of these episodes I mean, will never be found. Just take your time on that animation. Yeah, what's I so mean, difficult with the faceless that? ones animation coming out with that little clip we saw, they leave the short hair on her. Right. Well, the, oh, yeah, oh, really? the, short, the short hair was still there in the story, wasn't it? In the faceless ones. Was it? Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't. Her she hair was long. Oh, 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 wasn't? Am I being, am I being stupid? Yeah, no. She, no, yeah, the, the, the hair, long hair was long back. in the faceless ones. Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. Apparently, there was a lot of time between the macro tear and the faceless ones. Well, at yeah, least so if, well, at least there's so that you, consistency there. Yeah, I mean, if, pa if Patrick, if Patrick Troughton and Michael Craze were still alive, then you could have done a whole bunch of big finish in between Macro Terror and Faces. Well, they already have for like. Oh yeah, have, have, have you have you have you looking at fan timelines, specifically the Ice Spider one? How many oh, fucking yeah, no. audios? They, how many audios they throw between Macro Terror and <laughs> Faces? The, one one? Like <laughs> the hair growing back <laughs> makes sense. 
The hair growing arc. <laughs> <laughs> but it's big finish, so you jo- can't Jokes see it. on you. The yes men only exist to grow back Polly's hair. Yeah, there's a that, that's the joke. There's a hair, there's a visual arc in an audio format. <laughs> Love that. Oh, the man. only way you can see it is on the box hits covers. <laughs> and, that's how, and, that, and that's how you order the stories chronologically. It doesn't actually matter <laughs> what's actually happening in the story. Yeah, um, this this, so, this show's stupid sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, rating is ten. There's, there's also oh, oh, sorry. oh sorry. Oh no, by, oh, no, fin- no, no, finish your thought first. Go ahead. Just before that, I was just going to say there's a, there's a similar thing in um, series two with David Tennant's hair where it's like long, short, long, short for the first few stories. So I think there's like that. There's probably something like that as well. Like that happens. Growing... That happens to Peter Davison too a lot. Yeah. I mean, and, and the same thing happens with uh, with Perry's timeline as far, as far as like people that make custom expanded universe timelines. They're like, yeah. we got to organize it by Perry's hair on the cover. It's like, no, fuck yeah. off. Just just throw the stories wherever yeah. they need to go in, in the character's character arc. Like it doesn't matter yeah. how they look it's, on the I, cover. I find it funny though how like David Tennant's hair was so inconsistent yet they made Billy Piper wear hair extensions for the mini episode that takes place before the Christmas invasion for oh, continuity. <laughs> That's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um Ravens at a 10 for the Macro Terror. Connor? Uh this might sound harsh, I'm not sure, but I'm gonna say eight point five. Uh, that's not harsh at all. Uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. Dylan? But yeah, that's harsh. I mean I'd give it an eight. Like uh, but I, I love the story. No. It's not up there among my favorites. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Br- Br- Brian just overhypes it. So in, so in that case, Brian, what's your rating? <laughs> ten. God damn it. All right. <laughs> uh, let us move on to The Faceless Ones by David Ellis and the god Malcolm Hulk. Mm. Who would like to begin? I have a bit of say on this, but that's all right. No, no, go ahead. So what is done really well about this episode? Some of the side characters and the build-up. The build-up is brilliant. There's very few Doctors that manage to just really capture the sense of foreboding and mystery that this episode has. It feeds you all of these details at such a, a good pace, and it constantly keeps you, you interested. So, like, first of all, the weird alien ray gun, then, like, the Doctor in that office, and then, like, the Doctor trying to get killed, then the empty aeroplane, blah, 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 all those little bits, and it's all brilliant. And then the fucking plane goes into the spaceship at the end of episode four, and the episode becomes shit. They never bother to properly explain why the aliens are here and why they really need to do this. The motivations are never really properly revealed. And the last two episodes, it just feels like they're ambling about not really doing a whole lot. Once the kind of mystery is kind of blown and there just really isn't anything there, it just makes you feel like you've wasted your time. And don't get me wrong, I love it just for the build-up. The build-up is so, Mm. so good. And I can go into that and still watch it every time and love it just because it's handled that well. But... It, you, you have to criticize how bad the payoff is in the final two episodes because it is pretty awful and does drag down the episode quite a lot. Yeah, like, uh, I, I don't. I don't I think mean, it's that bad. I mean, I think it's weaker. But, yeah. I, I don't think it's terrible, but I do agree that um, they did kind of mess with the conclusion of the story, and it's unfortunate because for me personally, like the first four episodes of the story for me are like ten out of ten quality. I thought yeah. I, absol- I absolutely love it. Everything from the first. The first episode all the way up to the cliffhanger when the plane flies into space. Like that that cliffhanger in episode four is one of my absolute favorites in the whole show. Like I watched and believe it or not, I watched this story with the CGI reconstruction and it, it got me. Like that's how good the story is. Jesus. Through that version, 
through that version of the story, I was still hooked by it. That's how brilliant it is. Um, and then, yeah, the conclusion isn't handled particularly well, unfortunately. And I would also say the one other weaker aspect of the story is the fact that Ben and Polly are kind of deleted for most of it. Yeah, he's um, a very weak actor. Yeah, but at the same time, in place of that, we do get Jamie and I think it's Samantha, right? Yeah, Samantha. I absolutely love those yeah. two and their relationship. Why yeah. is she not a companion? I love how the how yeah, long because the, actress... the actress didn't want to be. <laughs> I also, I I also like ask. how the, I also like how the actress played um, Queen Victoria in Tooth and Claw as well. It's a nice bit of trivia. Yes, indeed. yeah. I seriously buy the relationship between Jay, uh, Jamie and Samantha that builds up through the course of the episode. And I feel that very much this and even the Daleks is Jamie's coming of age. So he's kind of a bit naive, bit of like unsure of himself before this. Yeah, I, I like gains, how he gains a lot of character in this story and in even yeah. the Daleks. Like, I like how he almost gets he almost gets friend zoned by Samantha in a way, but sweetly, and then he finds Victoria, and it's like a really nice little. You know, and then he gets friend zoned by her for the whole of season five. <laughs> although, yeah. although Jamie does still get kissed by both of them, so there's at least yeah. that. Um, See, you know, you know what? It's, it's actually, really... interestingly, interestingly, if you think about the female companions from the faceless ones to uh, the war games, Jamie's Jamie's like arc is almost similar to like the tenth Doctor's because like Samantha's is like sweet summer love. Then you get. Um, Victoria, which is like very on-off, and then you get Zoe, who's just a friend. She's like the Donna. It's interesting <laughs> thinking about it like that. Except for he doesn't abuse Victoria emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> he only he, um, there, there's that scene in the Ice Warriors where he's flirting with Victoria. That's really funny. Yeah, that is yeah. funny. Um, yeah. You gotta you gotta kind of appreciate Jamie's road to becoming an interesting character. <laughs> um, I, I mean, because like, because even if, I mean, you could, I guess, explain away underwater medicine moon base by like saying like, oh, he just doesn't know what the fuck's going on. So yeah. that's why he just also the plot, which is also, understandable. But then in Macra, you know, you see him start to become a more proactive part of the plot, yeah. especially then in, in the Faceless Ones and by the evil of the Daleks, he's one of the best, he becomes one of the best companions yeah. ever because he actually yeah. has conflict with the Doctor at that point. I also think another reason why it works for the actor is because Fraser Hines, at, like you can, you know, like he just loves women, so like he has such good <laughs> chemistry with them on screen. He like, loves Shirley Cookwood as well, as we know. Oh, yes. See, no. I, I, the only saving grace for this story for me oh, really is I that relationship you. with Samantha. Brian, Brian, I fucking hate you. I hate you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't like this one. I love the. I think the chameleons are a great villain. I think. Uh, I think. They I think great. the chameleons are a missed opportunity for a much creepier. I think. He, I think like the design exactly. of them would suit a better <laughs> villain much better. Honestly, I got something controversial to say. I don't know how the audience will receive this. I think the first four episodes of this does Terror of the Zygons better than actual Terror of the Zygons. Yes. I don't have. like Terror of the Zygons. Well, I mean, it's, it's not that I dislike it. I think it's overrated, and I yeah, love the yeah, first part definitely. of this. I don't I, like either. I, I agree with both those points. I don't agree with Brian, though, because Brian's a, a bitch. So, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, I, I honestly kind of like, fucking stink. That's, that's how I see it. So at least that's Do you, do you just not like clone stories, Brian? Do you just not like clone stories? No, or because like I like the Sunfire. These favorite Star Wars movie is Attack of the Clones. I'm seeing a pattern. No, Wait, I like really? I think the Suntarans are genuinely interesting. Oh, wait, hang on. Did you say least favorite, Joey? 
Yeah, yeah, his least favorite. Oh, yeah, okay, now that makes sense. I was like, what the hell, your favorite Star Wars <laughs> Brian's favorite Star Wars My movie. favorite Star Wars <laughs> there's, movie is there's Attack of the Clones. You heard it here first. There's... My opinions just keep getting I tell you what, though, I tell you what, though. Till the shit that nobody can believe it. <laughs> I tell you what, though, Attack of the Clones would be better if it was Fraser Hines and um, What's-Her-Face as the romance. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um... I'm yeah. haunted by the kiss you should never have given me. Oh, Samantha. I'm, I'm haunted by the no, kiss. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm stopping this now. Fuck you all. I don't, I don't like, I, I, I don't like grass. I don't like this grass. This sounds like Muffa. Me... <laughs> I'm haunted by the kiss you should never have given me. <laughs> oh, or I'm haunted by the show you shouldn't have given me, Russell. <laughs> you're breaking okay. my heart i'm bringing this back in shut up okay um i don't like grass uh, no, 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 no 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 Jimmy, it's no 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 okay i will agree with one point though Brian. Don't underestimate uh, my no power. Okay, please <laughs> okay doctor am i the jedi Okay. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. What I was going to say about 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 the chameleons as villains, I think they they're well done. But I do agree with one point. It's kind of kind of agree with Brian that their true forms aren't used enough. I'm not sure why that's done because they're such an interesting design. I think the the pros- uh, I, I want to say the prosthetics, just they're whatever. Make a design that they do nothing with though. It's never really real what yeah what they really are and why they need to do it. It's just that, like some vague accident happened and that's why they need to steal people's bodies. It's like. You know, after all this quality build-up, give us a bit more payoff. Give us a bit more explanation. Come on. So I will say also at this point, Troughton has fully formed into the role of the Doctor. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've barely had since the moon base, really. Yeah, fair. I mean, that's re- that was really only, like, a Doctor just saying, look, you gotta calm the fuck down. Yeah. This, this time, this time, you know, it's Troughton's choice, you know, to, to, to be a more reserved Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Um... All right. Anything else to add on the faceless ones? <laughs> I do. No. Oh. What, Connor? <laughs> when we last met, Russell, I was a writer. Now I am the showrunner. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Only, right, a right. showrunner of, only a showrunner of evil, Stephen. <laughs> Ratings out of ten for the faceless ones, Brian. Ah, uh, you know it's a four. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Connor. 8.5. Dylan. Uh, I'll probably say a 7. I'm going to give it the build. The build up's so good, but yeah. Does... I'm going yeah. to give it an 8, personally. All right. So once again, Brian's the only wrong one here. Let's move on to The Evil of the Daleks by David Whitaker. Who would like to begin? Hmm. I feel like I Connor he... wants to be- What's up? No, I think honestly, Joey, I think you should start this one. Oh shit! Okay. Um. All right. I I, I adore Evil of the Daleks. Um. I think it's not only a great combination of how far we've come, like like how how we've learned from the past Troughton stories up to this point. You know, it's it's a it's an exercise in the possibilities of a, of a younger and more energized Doctor. Um. Not that Hartnell wasn't energized, but you know, just um someone more spry and more and sporadic, I should say. Um, I love the conflict between the Doctor and Jamie in this. I think putting them on a, on a slightly more rocky ground, especially without the 
slightly overloaded TARDIS with Ben and Polly. Um, it really uh, creates a great dynamic between them. And Victoria and Edward Waterfield, specifically Edward, um, are fantastic characters. Edward and uh, and Theodore Maxtable, I fall in love with as supporting characters because they offer two very different sides to how to how characters around the Doctor view the Daleks. Um, Maxwell sees them as uh, an interesting facet of of, of existence, and um, and sort of takes a sort of takes a stance we've seen from supporting characters in the in the past of wanting to use them and you know ultimately being betrayed, but in a slightly more interesting way because it's because of his drive behind it. Edward Waterfield is is being threatened by the Daleks in a way we haven't seen before. He's his daughter is being held hostage and. And he's he's being held against his will to to work for the Daleks, which uh, at least up until this point we hadn't seen in the past, which I really appreciate. I or really at least like this one for the fact that it uh, it it really starts off the uh, hate relationship between the Doctor and the Daleks. Sure, you get tastes and glimpses of it in the Chase and the Daleks Master Plan, where the Daleks recognize the TARDIS and its crew, but in this one you really get that sense of the the doctor and the daleks are arch nemeses they hate each other with a burning passion and they they both know it so i yeah. I really like what this one does for the relationship with the doctor and the daleks i also i also really like edward waterfield and i really like the idea of the human factor actually i want to bring up a point that since you brought up um the doctor's relationship with the daleks i think this story has one of the best probably my favorite actually dalek reveal in a story i think um him uh, uh him coming out to greet the, the Do- dalek coming out for the first time to greet the doctor and Troughton's reaction the way he plays off of it um is just phenomenal oh, the um, utter terror in Troughton's eyes is perfection oh yeah yeah it's so it's so well done um i think there's a there's a lot it's just one of it's just one of those moments where you can tell the doctor's like legitimate i don't want to say here we go again because that's usually used comedically in doctor who but one where he's like oh fuck you can tell he's like He's shitting his pants in that moment. And when we see the doctor scared. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's like an odd sounding train outside my house. <laughs> that sounds really off. Sorry. It really sends shivers down my spine as a viewer. Most definitely. And so, I think uh, I think the seven episodes flies by like nothing. I think. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot to say about this story because there's a lot of positives and there's a lot of. There is a few negatives that do hamper it a bit. So with the, with the positives, I think this really develops the relationship between the Doctor and Jamie, and I like that there's conflict there, and I think that is handled extremely well. The relationship between the Doctor and the Daleks, that is also handled pretty well. I like Maxwell and Waterfield. They're definitely two big strengths of this episode. And episode seven on Scarrow is really, really good and quite an exciting watch. However, there are a few problems, I find. So I think the whole thing about the human factor is a bit bollocks. Uh, because, for one, why do they need Jamie to do this? And why do they need the Doctor to record the experiment? And, you know, it just doesn't really... 
And I just, I, it doesn't seem like it's a, the main, that's the main crux of the episode. That's why they're all there. But it, it doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. Well, I think I the Daleks are just kind of using Jamie in this. They don't actually have a purpose for Jamie to be there. It's just that they need the yeah, Daleks. Jamie's they, a good way to get to but him. But why do they need the Doctor? Why did the Doctor need to get involved? By getting the Doctor involved, they... Because they could themselves. figure it out. I, and neither could the two human scientists they employed. So who's the only person who's outsmarted them into the past with science bullshit? And has yeah. worked with plenty of humans in the past. They have plenty of records of of they've. I think they've encountered almost every sixties companion up to this point. Um, the Daleks, that is. It makes enough sense that the Doctor would that they would yeah, they, they, they would choose the Doctor as the logical person that that could accomplish this task for them. Uh, the I only disagree. Issue, yeah, Davros is the only issue tribe. getting and him to do it. And then my second problem is there's a lot of plot like side plots that go absolutely nowhere and just waste the time and make the middle of the story drag. I would say yeah. I the, would say the plot, the, like the kidnapping plot and Tyrrell, the both compl- a complete waste of time and lead nowhere. I I would say the the biggest problem I have with the story is that I wish the Scaro section started an episode earlier. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all contained to episode seven, and I wish it started in episode six. Because I think episode six, I think it's either five or six. I can't remember which one it is. It feels like a kind of a waste of time. Whereas I wish that we spent more time on Scaro. I don't know. It just felt that would have felt more right to me. I guess. I, I mean, yeah, they waste a lot of time like, in episode five and six and doing nothing of note to the story in the house. So they could have just moved on to Scaro then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, also, well, I mean, in those aren't those the episodes with, episodes with uh, Camel? No, they're, they're earlier episodes with Camel. Are you sure? At least episode five is. At least five has Camel. Well, yeah, I'm more enjoyable side characters ever. I love Camel. Well, what I'm just saying is, is that that whole section, I'm pretty sure it's episode six, that feels um, stretched uh, stretched out to me. Whereas the Scaro section feels rushed. I wish it was there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I think six is no more stretched out than six, than episode six of the Daleks. You know, it's it's just as inoffensive. Uh, I suppose, but I don't know. I think um, I feel it would. About that. I feel that it would feel much less offensive. If it wasn't for the fact that it was wasting time with a side plot that went nowhere, because it just felt also, like with the Daleks, it just felt like you know it was filler, but it was still on going on the, the thing is, plot. I would say that deviating in uh, side plots that go nowhere. I would say yeah. the difference also is that um, with the Daleks, um, the original one, episode seven of that doesn't feel like it needs to be longer. Whereas I feel like in Evil of the Daleks, the episode seven there, I wish was, I wish it was two episodes. Are you sure it's not just because? You want to see more Scaro, and not because, not for any actual plot reasons. <laughs> oh, like, like, like I agree with that. Like, I want to see more Scaro, and I want the, and I want the battle to be longer, and I want to see more Emperor Dalek. But I recognize that, like, I don't really want more of that for any actual plot reason. I don't think it, there's any actual reason to introduce an, that introduce an, enti- an entire twenty-five minutes. Well, no, no, but, but Connor's right though, because Episode Seven feels a bit rushed, whereas they're doing nothing in Episode Six. So why not just bring it forward, and then you can pace it better. Well, there's a whole like five ten minutes. Yeah. Actually, it's See, if this was minutes. if if this was like a if this was like a the structure of the story was like forty five minute episodes, I feel like you could have gone to Scaro like a third of the way through a forty five minute last part rather than halfway through it, which leads you twenty five minutes because you know you gotta you gotta have the cliffhanger for Scaro is the way they saw it. But, like, the, but, uh, the cliffhanger, but the cliffhanger isn't even Scarrow. The second Doctor and, and, the, and, the, and the Emperor have an entire conversation before the actual cliffhanger. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, but, you know, I just, yeah, like I said, I just wish there was more Scarrow and 
just I for that reason. I actually think less is more here. I agree. I, I because the I just adore the way the Daleks are handled in this story completely. I because mean, like here's here's it, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're doing sort of the Cyberman thing where they build them up a bit and then they bring them out for a bit of a scare and then they take them back. One thing I will say, a little, build I, I, them up a bit more and then bring them out again. I did say I didn't want to compare this to Power of the Daleks to myself, but I do want to bring up one thing that, like, you know, I mean, they're also both written by David Whitaker. It makes sense. Um, but whereas, I mean, this story isn't afraid to have any fun, to have fun. Um, Power of the Daleks, sure, Troughton's a, the second Doctor is a fun character, but the story itself doesn't really let up on how dreary and depressing it is. It's great character and drama, and I, adore, and I adore Power of the Daleks, but eh, Evil of the Daleks isn't afraid to have some levity there, and I think I think that's to be appreciated. Mm, yeah, I, I would say that the Daleks has the edge for me. To 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 answer the question you had before as well, I I think if for plot reasons the Scar section has to be one episode, then I think this it, this story could benefit from being six parts rather than seven, just because I think the last section of the story could have been done a lot quicker. Like episode six, just I don't know, there's something about it that doesn't sit right with me. It feels like unnecessary padding. Uh, same, same. Th- I mean, again, I bring up the, the Daleks example. Same thing with six of the Daleks. Mm. You could cut that down yeah, so but, easily. But as I said, it's the fact that this is the the time it wastes is veering off into side plots that go nowhere. They like, don't really get resolved. So you know, it, what's the point? So at least in the Daleks, even though it is pretty poor filler, at least it's still the pl- the main plot is still progressing in those scenes. Yeah, there's there's more of a like sort of adventure through the caves, and I I do find a like slight element of that interesting, even though the padding of it is quite poor whereas with this i just feel like i'm so hooked by evil of the daleks until episode six and it just just kills it for me it's like ah i want to get to scarrow now so so would you say like you're brought back in though immediately at the end of six uh yeah i would say so but then okay. but then i'm like yes we finally so, so, get so, there. so there's, so the there's not is, much of a the lull there is, for you well, the thing is, when we get to episode seven, I'm like, we're finally here, but then it's only 25 minutes. I'm like, God, I wanted more of that. It's really irritating. You know, it, it's purely just the pacing thing, right? I just feel like there's not much plot there to tell, though. You know, you're, 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 like you're, 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 just, you're, just there, you're just there to rescue Victoria and everyone and have the final fight. <sighs> okay, I feel well, like this it is what I'll say. Slightly dissatisfying if we saw more of Scarrow. Sort of that, uh, well, like I said, less is more thing. Like the more oh, yeah. that gets revealed, the less magical it is. And I feel my, like my... Scaro and Evil of the Daleks is definitely one of those things, just based on okay. how much I've seen of Scaro elsewhere. Right. Well, my final thought on that is, is that when I'm saying that, I don't necessarily mean it would improve the plot. I'm just saying it would improve the pacing of the story. That's the main reason I would say that. I'm also gonna say I feel like we're arguing about this way too much when we when we all really like the story. <laughs> well, I mean that's but the um, thing is that's the only real problem I have with it, and and also there's the human factor is a little bit iffy, but I'm I'm fine like with it. Also, can I can, yeah. can we just appreciate how this one comes full circle because for the foreseeable future, Terry Nation wanted this one to be the last Dalek story on Doctor Who. Yeah. And also, the, the fact that we just come back to Scarrow and have like this big epic fight is just really nice since we haven't been yeah. back there since that initial and so and some grand ridiculous looking Dalek Emperor is revealed you know to engage this final mm. fight yeah yeah it, it's it's very climactic and it makes a lot of sense yeah 
Also, one other thing, um, just a small nitpick, is that when the Daleks are acting like humans, like being all silly, I don't. I personally don't find that very funny. Like, I find it a little bit. Oh, I think I think it's funny. I think it's. I find that scene funny. Yeah. Do you? I find it creepy, but also adorable. Yeah. 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 It is is a little creepy, isn't it? I. I uh... There is something very strange about the Daleks acting like children. It's very odd. Yeah. I think that's a scene that only really works if you have seen, a, a, like, a lot of Dalek history before that. And, and when you see that moment, you're like, oh, that's odd and slightly and scary, but at the CGI same time, version. really fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In that case, it's actually that, scary. <laughs> that that also might be a factor as well, because, like, yeah. Mm. God damn it. You will take All the right. CGI factor and spread it through <laughs> the entire history of the 60s. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, re- I really hope that Who Recons guy finds these videos eventually. <laughs> we Look, I appreciate the effort, mate, but I'm sorry. They're, 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 just, just, they're, they're just bad. They're just it's just that the, the character models, I'm sorry, they're just... Yeah. I can't, I can't... But make. yeah, I really like, like, hope that, like I, that um, BBC Animate Evil of the Daleks next, because I really want to rewatch it. Like I, oh, appreciate, like, I, like, I can say I appreciate the time taken to refilm, like, like chest down shots of victoria for this for the for the actual recon than the time taken to put in the the shitty cgi characters in the who recons version i don't know i'm weird this is a weak scoob <laughs> let's move on to raise that 10 for evil of <laughs> raise that 10 for evil of the daleks i'm gonna give it a 10 dylan eight god damn Dil- uh connor nine all right and brian ten solid um all right i guess there's only one thing left to do now let us rank the stories of season four from least favorite to favorite i'll kick us off uh i've got the smugglers the underwater menace the moon base the highlanders the faceless ones the 10th planet the macro terror the power of the daleks and the evil of the daleks at the top who would like to go next i'll go next all right brian so I've got the Underwater Menace, the Faceless Ones, the Highlanders, Wait. the 10th Planet, the Moon Base, Power of the Daleks, Evil of the Daleks, the Macra Terror, and right at the top, the Smugglers! Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm kidding. Smugglers is at the very bottom. As it should be. <laughs> it's so bottom that it, all, it made it all the way back up to the top. <laughs> <laughs> it fell into the next plane of existence. No, <laughs> Smugglers fell so low, it's the top of season three. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that'd be the season finale of season three, wasn't it? Oh, was it really? It God. Might. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, who would like to go next, Connor or Dylan? Yeah, I can go. I can go. All right, Connor. Uh, the smugglers, obviously. Then <laughs> the the underwater menace. Uh, the Highlanders. The Faceless Ones, the Macra Terra, the Evil of the Daleks, the Tenth Planet, the Power of the Daleks, and then the Moon Base at the top. Moon Base at the top. God damn. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. That yep. is impressive. Uh, the the reason the reason why contrarian one here or is it I don't, <laughs> I don't know. The, the, you, the, you you did put smugglers at the top, Brian. <laughs> the only the only reason I put Moon Base to the power is because I can see the great direction. If I saw Power's direction and it was the way I think oh, it is, it no. would be top. I, I, I would oh, I wouldn't let that bring power down at all oh well all right dylan go ahead all right so at the bottom the smugglers no surprise there uh then the underwater menace which to be honest isn't that much above the smugglers for me so i I kind of differ from all of you in that respect uh then the highlanders then the faceless ones then the 10th planet then the macro terror 
then the evil of the Daleks, then the moon base, and then at the top, the power of the Daleks. Boo, moon base above evil. Boo. <laughs> moon base is a much more solid story. I'm sorry. I agree. I'm going to disagree. At least Jamie has something to do in evil of the Daleks. Yeah, but no, Moonbase I mean, at least Polly has something to do in the oh Moonbase. Doesn't have anything to do. With po- Polly's not even in Evil. Yeah, d- d- exactly. Oh that my god! To do. <laughs> my ranking isn't unreasonable this time. Uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Let's do plugs. All right. Uh, like I said, all three of you have channels. Anything? Any specific projects you want to plug? Uh, everything. I'm doing a lot. All right, uh, Dylan. Anything? <laughs> everything. I'm doing a lot. God damn it. Uh, all right, Brian. Please tell me you have something more. <laughs> My ass. God. All right. Um. At the time of this coming out, I think this is coming out bo- slightly before Times Crucible trailer. Either it came out on the 18th or it's coming out on the 18th. Oh yeah, I'm working on that right now. Yeah, Brian that's, is editing it like, like he edited the time, time of Your Life trailer. He's doing an excellent job. I adore his work. And I'm so happy yeah. that he's here because I am far too busy to edit the trailer. So, um, if you actually want me to, if you actually also, want me to plug my... sucks at editing trailers. I don't su- wait, I don't suck at it. Brian, I edited the, the Genesis trailer for you. Sorry, Connor, what were you gonna say? If you actually want me to plug what I've got going on my channel, I can do that if you want. Oh, by all means. By all means. All right. Okay. Uh, Patreon extended calendar is still coming out. I've had like copyright blocks, but that show should hopefully be fixed very soon. Um, uh, Spyfall Part One and Two stuff should be coming soon as well. Then we've got uh, the day 18 and 20 of my advent calendar, which also got copyright blocked. That should be being fixed soon. Um, then there's also, at some point, probably going to be an EDAR podcast where Lord Sly and I will break down a Bolstrek video oh, on Anti-Single oh, Father oh, agenda. Oh. What the hell? Um, uh, then I want to be on that. Well, you can probably be on <laughs> yeah, that if you want, Brian. I would like to be on that, damn. Oh, well, you can all be on that if you want. Hell no, um, it's going to be packed. Four-hour yeah. video incoming. If you want. Um, uh, when the Faceless Ones animation comes out, I'll be doing a reaction to that. Uh, when the uh, when the time comes, I shall be doing a reaction to the Time Monster. When the time comes, I shall be doing a reaction to the Runaway Bride and Torchwood if everything changes. Uh, I'll also be doing Game of Thrones with Callum. Uh, I'll also be doing a couple of gaming stuff. I'll also be doing A Bug's Life, my Toy Story series. I'll also be doing a Top 10 Fourth Doctor stories. I'll also be doing a review of Black Widow when that comes out. I've also got a whole bunch of other stuff too, like Top 10s, and fucking, I'm going to be very busy this year, and I hope I don't die. Well, Connor, yeah. when, Connor uh, when's the X-Men 3 review part 2 coming out? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, well, is that what I'm going to get do to get more views? Yeah. 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 Uh, as far as my uh, channel goes, um, if you haven't already, go check out the Mandalorian Season 1 review. That should be out by the time this comes out. Um, I finished the Matt Smith rewatch recently. Um, go check out those if you haven't already. I'm really happy uh, with how, how that series turned out. Oh, um, I thought of something I could plug. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on doing like reviews of the classic stories in the order that they came out on Blu-ray. So that's oh, fun. fun. Oh, I didn't realize that's what you're doing. Okay, I gotcha. That's, oh, that's cool. That's cool. <clears throat> um, 
And uh, as far as the rest of my stuff goes, oh, yeah, um, catch up on the Love and War audiobook if you haven't already. Um, I'm going to be releasing two chapters a month for the rest of the year. Um, I think that'll finish up sometime, I think, in September, August, September. I can't remember exactly when. Um, so, yeah, so that'll be really fun. Uh, Times Crucible begins release on February 1st. That's going to be a fantastic story. Editing has been so much fun. Um what else? Uh, commentary coming out later this month, um, which me and Brian still haven't decided on what it's going to be yet. Um, Let's decide right now. Um, uh, right oh, now. Shoot, fuck. Uh, put me on the spot. Uh, let's do. Let's oh, do. Shit. Let's do a first Doctor one. Let's do no, a first did, Doctor no, one. No, we, have, we haven't done a second Doctor one yet. That is true. Let's do the invasion. No, no, we're doing that with Dylan later. Fuck. Um, let's do. Mind Robert. Yeah, sure. Why not? Hell yeah, mind robber. All right. Anyway, uh, so mind robber comment, commentary coming out later this month. Um, that'll be really fun. And what else? What else? I know there's something else. I can't fucking remember. Uh, oh yeah. Also, uh, Clone Wars review coming up. I can't remember exactly what. We're finally jumping on back. Uh, back on those. Um, should be like at the ver- on the very last day of this month, I believe. Which is yeah. it'll count as the February review. Um, and I think that about. Also, done. I'll be I'll be appearing in Warhead, won't I? Yes. Con- oh, yeah. Um, uh, Connor and Brian, of course, are in Warhead. Um, they're playing two awesome. Ca- oh, Brian's playing two characters. Um, but uh, but this is Connor's novel adaptation's debut. That's awesome. Uh, all three of them, I think, will also be in Witchmark, uh, which will be really fun. Dylan's Dylan, Dylan will be in that as well. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> I didn't even know I was in it. I told you about this, Dylan. You said yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I suppose I'm in it then. That, that you are. And with that dysfunctional uh, dysfunctionality, let us finish this off. Uh, thank you all so much for being on. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, it's been a really fun podcast, and wow, this is one of the longer ones. Jesus Christ! Because I'm on it. The, always all, the longest. Ones and also, all, I'm dreading the series two nine podcast. stories. It's nine yeah. stories as well. I'm I'm dreading the series two podcast. I, oh mate, is, oh, where till we get to that? Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. So join us next month when we cover uh, eight main range audios and uh, the following month when we cover the next four uh, Virgin New Adventures. So really exciting stuff coming for the when Celestial is, Podcast when, this when year. It, when, is, when, is the series two, uh, when is the Series 2 podcast, by the way? That is coming in, I think, April. Coming in April. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So fun stuff. All right. Thank you all so much for being on. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, uh, thank you for listening to the Celestial Podcast. This has been Joey Joey's Morgan with Security Kitchen Productions. Goodbye.
Well, Brian, why do I even have you have yeah, you on God. these fucking podcasts? Like you know when Vivian Rook and years and years were saying we couldn't let certain people wait, vote. Brian, wait, no, you, you can't just kick Brian. Like <laughs> <laughs> you can't just fucking do that. Well, apparently I can. Okay, see, I was the one who was supposed to start this call because this is my podcast. But you know, whatever. Did you did uh, you actually kick him? Yeah, he kicked him for like five seconds. Oh my god, you prick! All right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not again. All right. Um, all right, here we go. Fucking hell. Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast. The <laughs> fuck you, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. <laughs> We're gonna redo this. All right, please shut up. All right. No, just keep every blooper in. It'll be funny. <laughs> I'm gonna throw this at the end, definitely.